The following broadcast is released under a Creative Commons license. I believe in Jesus Christ, the only Son of God. I believe He lived and died, and that He rose again. I believe and trust in Him. Ascended into hell, Christ our living head will one day come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe and trust in Him. I will trust in my Redeemer, sing of His love. That lasts forever Though His hope and sure salvation I will trust in Him Though the world falls around me I rest and know that He has found me Christ the rock is my Welcome all to Pastor Yeshua. You've been listening to Creed by Richard Jensen from his album, Order of Service. By way of introduction, pastor is an acrostic which stands for preaching all salvation through one Redeemer. Our Redeemer, Yeshua, Jesus, is the Hebrew name for the Lord. It means Yahweh, the Lord, is salvation. Translated from Hebrew into the Greek language, the name Yeshua becomes Jesus. The English transliteration for Jesus is Jesus. This program deals with apologetics, questions on and about God, the Bible, and the Christian faith. I take questions and seek by Scripture to give answers and encouragement for everyone, including the tough-minded living in today's skeptical society. And now, let's join Pastor Yeshua. Welcome to Pastor Yeshua. In this episode series, our goal is to fully equip ourselves with a complete historical and cultural understanding of Jesus' I Am statements as revealed within God's Word, the Bible. While the subject matter may not be completely new ground, I have an abiding faith that any time we approach God's Word with a sincere and earnest desire to learn, we cannot help and will not fail to deepen a greater understanding and appreciation of God's nature and deity from a diligent Berean study of His Word, the Bible. In the previous four episodes, we began a journey to deepen our understanding of Jesus' I Am statements found within the New Testament. It is my contention that these various statements, when viewed properly, clearly draw a straight line identifying Jesus' divinity and recognition as the God of the Bible, the God of all creation, 
the Lord of Life, and the King of Kings. In Episodes 1 and 2, we completed a search of Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, along with a survey of the Old Testament in Hebrew, as well as the Septuagint Greek regarding God's revelation to Moses, and by extension to his people, of God's character or name. In part 3, we began our survey in earnest with a study of Matthew chapter 26, Mark 14, and Luke 22, regarding Jesus' I am statements under oath to the high priest during his trial. In part four, we looked at Jesus' encounter with a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well in John 4. In this episode, we examine John chapter 6. In order to establish a context, we begin with John chapter 5. In this chapter, we find Jesus in Jerusalem for the Feast of the Passover. While there, Jesus encounters various handicapped people at the pool at Bethsaida. In particular, Jesus meets a certain man who has had an infirmity for 38 years. Jesus commands the man to rise, take up his bed, and walk again. As a result, the man is healed. While it sounds like a praiseworthy thing, Jesus performed this miracle on the Sabbath day, which was an offense to the Jewish religious leaders. When the Jews questioned the legality of the healing on the Sabbath, Jesus answers in verse 17, saying, quote, My father worketh hitherto, and I work, unquote. In verse 18, we learn the Jews' response, quote, Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God." Unquote. So here once again we see that Jesus clearly claimed equality with God, and Jesus' claims were so unequivocal that the Jews sought to kill him for blasphemy. Eventually, we come to John chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Quote, After these things, Jesus went over the, the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples, unquote. So, here in John chapter 6, we find a large multitude following Jesus because they were uh, aware of his ability to heal. Doubtless, some of this group were aware either because they had heard of Jesus' miracle, or they had in fact witnessed it. This group then follows Jesus to a mountain where Jesus and his disciples sit down. Verses 4 through 9 continue the story. Quote, and the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh, when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, 
Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? Unquote. So, again, we are reminded that the Passover festival was near. Consequently, any Jewish person would be beginning to reflect on the various things which the Passover brought to mind. For example, the Jews' bondage in Egypt for 400 years, the ten plagues, the Passover night per se, their delivery from Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea, the manna in the wilderness, and their 40 years of wandering. Upon seeing the crowd, Jesus decides to prove Philip by asking where they can buy enough bread to feed the crowd. Philip answers, Jesus estimating that 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. 200 penny worth would be equivalent to about seven months' wages in that day. Andrew observes that within the crowd and within sight, there is a lad who has five barley loaves and two fishes. Almost within the same breath, Andrew realizes that what was likely a lad's lunch was not going to be sufficient to feed the crowd which is presently assembled. What is abundantly clear is that there is no natural or earthly way by which this crowd assembled is going to be fed. Either a very large number of fatigued people, many of whom are in need of healing, are going to go hungry, or God is going to have to step in and do the miraculous. We continue with verses 10 through 13. Quote, and Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, in number about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto the disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together, and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten." Unquote. Here we learn that the large crowd is comprised of five thousand men. Now, it could be that only 5,000 men were present, but it is more likely that men, women, and children were present, but only the men were counted. If this is the case, many believe that there could have been 10 or 15,000 people present in the crowd. Whatever the size above 5,000, Jesus blesses the five loaves and two fishes to distribute to the crowd, feeding all present. 
it should be emphasized that the loaves in question here are not like the loaves of bread one might buy at your local grocery store. Instead, these quote-unquote loaves would be similar to round pita bread, which is unleavened. The fishes would be similar to sardines. Jesus uses this meager lad's lunch to then miraculously multiply them, feeding anywhere from 5,000 to 15,000 people present with 12 basketful of fragments left over. Having fed the crowd, we read in verses 14 and 15, quote, Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone, unquote. Now, the reference to, quote, that prophet, unquote, comes from Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, where Moses gives prophecy, saying, quote, The Lord thy God will rise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me. Unto him shall ye hearken, unquote. From this, the Jews had the expectation that God would raise somebody up like Moses who would lead them from the frequent situations in history in which the Jews found themselves in captivity or oppression by other peoples. This quote-unquote prophet would not only have the Spirit of God like Moses, but would also, like Moses, be a military leader who if necessary, would muster and use force to defeat their enemies and restore the Davidic kingdom. Thus, it was not uncommon that great Jewish people would arise to help the Jews, and the Jews might or did assume that these leaders were the promised quote-unquote prophet. In this case, the Jews correctly assumed that because Jesus was performing miracles, that he was filled with God's Spirit. Because Jesus was attracting large crowds and was popular, the Jews correctly assumed that Jesus was, in fact, the quote-unquote prophet of whom Moses had spoken. However, the Jews were wrong that Jesus' mission at that time was one of military conquest or of restoring a physical kingdom on earth at that time. First and foremost, Jesus was present at that time to restore broken fellowship with God through his atoning work on the cross. It would be for a time yet to come when Jesus would make his second coming, where he became a conquering Messiah on earth. Nonetheless, because of their confusion on the issue, the Jews were ready to forcibly proclaim Jesus as their military earthly king and to launch a military campaign against the Romans. As soon as Jesus sees this, he removes himself to go into the mountain alone. Continuing, we read verses 16 through 19. Quote, 
And when even was now come, his disciples went down unto the sea, and entered into a ship, and went over the sea towards Capernaum. And it was now dark, and Jesus was now come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about five and twenty, or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid." Unquote. The Gospel accounts of Matthew and Mark provide additional details. Matthew chapter 14, verses 24 through 33, gives the most information. Quote, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, and caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased, and they, and they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth thou art the Son of God." Unquote. If we harmonize these two accounts, we see that around evening time, Jesus sends his disciples ahead of him to take a ship from their current location across the Sea of Galilee to Capernaum. The disciples reached their departure point, and by the time they actually left, Jesus had not yet joined them, and it was dark. The disciples embarked to Capernaum, and they began to have difficulty making progress, since a sudden storm arises with waves tossing their ship and the wind blowing against them. In the fourth watch of the night, or sometime between 3 to 6 a.m., the disciples reached the quote-unquote midst of their trip, having rowed about 30 furlongs, which is 3.75 miles. Having done so, the disciples see a human figure walking on the water, which they assume to be a spirit, since it is walking on water. The encounter is so unnerving that the disciples shout, scream, and cry out in fear. For the purpose of the subject of our study, verse 27 is of interest. Verse 27 says, quote, But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid, unquote. 
the original language says, quote, But immediately Jesus said to them, Have courage. I am, ego I may, the existing one, the one who is, the I will exist because I will exist. I exist because I exist. I am who I am. I am that I am. I will be who I will be. Or I am that which exists. Fear not. Unquote. Now, lest we forget, Peter, as well as Andrew, James, John, Thomas, Philip, and Nathaniel, were fishermen. In other words, these were men who made their living on the water. They were used to storms and wind. Yet, despite this, the storm they were in made them afraid. Thus, we conclude that this, this storm was a very significant storm. Yet, despite this storm and seeing what they believed to be a ghost walking on the turbulent, wind-driven waves, Peter responds to Jesus identifying himself by asking to join him in walking on the water. Given that they were being buffeted by the storm, if they wanted to know for sure that it was in fact Jesus and not a ghost, you would think that Peter would request that Jesus calm the storm as he had already done on a previous occasion. Given the circumstances, it would seem that this would be a more practical request. Instead, Peter requests to join Jesus in walking on a storm-tossed sea. In any case, Jesus grants the request. Peter walks on the water for a brief time and then, taking his eyes off Jesus, sees the storm and begins to sink. Jesus takes Peter by the hand, rescues him, and they enter into the ship, at which point the wind ceases. At this point, we return to John chapter 6, verse 20 and 21. Quote, But he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at land, whither they went. Unquote. Here, the parallel story by John agrees with Matthew that Jesus identifies himself to the disciples as he is walking on the water and tells them not to be afraid. Again, the original language of verse 20 says, quote, Yet he told them, I am, ego I may, the existing one, the one who is. The I will exist because I will exist. I exist because I exist. I am who I am. I am that I am. I will be who I will be. Or I am that which exists. Fear not, unquote. So, in both cases, Matthew chapter 14, verse 27, and John chapter 6, verse 20, Jesus identifies himself as God of very God. Jesus identifies himself as Yahweh. Since this is the case, 
we can perhaps better explain why Peter goes momentarily from worrying about the storm and simply requesting that Jesus calms the storm as he had done once before to realizing that since Jesus is God, that God has the power to allow him to walk on the water by God's command. In other words, only God can walk on water and only God can command that mortal men do likewise. What's fascinating is that in addition to the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 plus, in addition to Jesus walking on the water, in addition to Peter walking on the water, and in addition to instantly calming the storm, John chapter 6 verse 21 tells us that although the ship was only about halfway across the Sea of Galilee, the moment that Jesus and Peter stepped inside the ship, the ship was immediately at the land at their destination point. If we are doing the math, since the disciples met Jesus in the midst of the sea and had rowed 30 furlongs or 3.75 miles, then by another miracle, the ship and the disciples instantly traveled about 3.75 miles to land. This may all seem incredible, but then again, Jesus, who is God, can command a paralyzed man to walk again. Only Jesus, who is God, can multiply five loaves and two fishes to feed a crowd in excess of 5,000 with 12 basketfuls left over. Only Jesus, who is God, can walk on water, calm a storm, raise the dead, create the world, raise himself from the dead, and walk through walls. Nothing is impossible for God. For the time being, this will have to conclude this episode. Please join me for part six, where we pick up this story with Jesus, his disciples, and the crowd who have followed him to Capernaum. In the next episode, Jesus will resume his discussion of his identity to us. This concludes this episode. Now, if you have any questions about God, the Bible, or the Christian faith, I encourage you to send me an email at pastor underscore Yeshua at yahoo.com. That's P-A-S-T-O-R underscore Y-E-S-H-U-A at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening. Oh, oh, oh.